The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. As we've been going through our Savior's Sermon on the Mount, we've been going through some really big topics like anger, marriage, divorce. Today, we're going to be talking about oaths and how there's so much more going on in this text than just besides the action of an oath, but how trustworthy your words are. There isn't going to be any eye plucking or anything big and like bold like that in this section. But what we're going to find is that the truth is so important. And the words that we say matter to other people. And that's what Christ calls us to do in our relationships with other people. And that isn't independent of our relationship with him. So please, I ask you to stand as we stand out of respect for the gospel on page nine. And for those at home on Zoom, I ask you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter five, verses 33 to 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. My dear Christian friends, her legs fidgeted and twisted around as she sat on the bench and as she listened to her significant other explain himself for what seems like the hundredth time. It's a, t- it's a young couple. They're sitting at the park, and you can tell that their relationship has been fraying and that they're about at rope's end with each other. And sitting on that same bench that they met first met at the park that first time in that first lovely day, they're trying to rekindle a little bit of what they had before. But finally, the young woman has to stand. She has to shout out what she was hoping that her silence would be saying to her significant other this entire time. I don't believe you. I don't trust you anymore. Maybe if you've heard some of those words said to you or you've had to say it to someone else, you know how impactful those words can be on the relationship that you have with that other person and how much weight that you put into those words and how much you want to be trusted, especially by the people that you love a whole lot in your life. Now, I think I can make a safest today that a lot of you don't have necessarily the struggle of taking oaths in your life. But what Jesus is getting after in this section isn't just the oaths. It's something so much more deeper, and it's so much more profound. It's about the truth. It's about the way that I carry myself and the things that I say to other people. Our words matter in our lives and with other people. So what we're going to do today is Jesus is going to tell us the truth about the truth. And we're going to see that by what we swear by, why we potentially would take an oath or swear by, and when we can actually go and do this. 
And the Pharisees were kind of the prime example to do this. The Pharisees, they thought they were pretty clever with how they were to keep their words. The Pharisees had been building off of what some of the people in Israel had heard from the Old Testament. They were building off of what the people had heard from Leviticus, to not swear by my name falsely. And they were also building off of what they had heard in Numbers, that if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath or binds himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So what the Pharisees did then is they built this elaborate system of oaths. They would swear on anything and just about anything and get themselves as close to the line of swearing on the name of the Lord or swearing on God himself, but not actually doing it. So they weren't actually breaking this law, but this word or this pledge was just about as close as actually swearing on God himself. And and Jesus gives us some of the examples by what they do. They would swear by heaven. They'd swear by the earth that they were standing on. They would swear by Jerusalem, the holy city. They would even swear on their own heads to make it seem as impactful as possible. But Jesus kind of sees through their ruse and he refutes it right away. Jesus says, you, you can't do any of this. You can't keep your oaths like this. You can't keep your, you can't take your oath on heaven. That's where God's throne is. That's where the living God dwells. That's where paradise is for you. That is where only truth lives. And there are no lies or in there. There are no misconceptions up there either. You can't swear on the earth. That's God's footstool. That's his creation. And you're a part of that. You're the prime people in that creation. You can't swear by the earth. You can't swear by Jerusalem. This is the holy city. This is the holy city of David, of the great King David, the city the living God. And what makes you think your oath is going to be any more valid if you swear it by your head? You don't even determine when your hair turns from black or brown to white and gray, and you don't even remember what you had for lunch yesterday. How in the world do you think that you're going to be more truthful if you swear and take an oath by your own head? Jesus sees right through all of that. Now, when we take oaths, it might not be on these types of things. And it might not be as crass as this, but it might come a little bit more suddenly. Maybe the first time you ever took an oath was when one of your classmates in school came up to you and asked you to make a promise. You said, yes, I'll I'll keep my promise. Then they lifted up their pinky. And then they said, do you pinky promise? As if that makes it a little bit more sure that you're actually gonna keep your promise. Maybe it comes a little bit more subtly or a little bit more crass, like on God. I swear that this is going to happen. I swear that this happened in the past already. I swear on my mother's grave. Cross my heart and hope to die if I should ever tell a lie. I'm sure you've heard a couple of those before. Maybe they come a little bit more subtly as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I promise. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do something like that. Or maybe they come a little bit more strongly. Maybe you can recognize some of these ones. I promise to do an honest day's work. I hereby declare that these taxes and financial forms are done to the best of my knowledge, and that any willful false statement made in this declaration is punishable by law. 
I promise to love you according to the word of God. I promise to love you, honor you, support you, be faithful to you as long as we both shall live. Here's another one. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this teaching and to endure all things, even death, rather than falling away from it? We take oaths in big moments of our lives. Wedding day, confirmation vows that we take in front of the church. Maybe it's important that we rehash a little bit why oaths were taken in the first place in the Old Testament. Do any of you remember how it was taken? What oaths would do is they would call upon God as their witness. They were serious business. They were calling on God, the ultimate truth himself, that this thing that was about to happen would get done. And if you were to break this promise that you made in this oath in the name of the Lord, there were going to be punishments. And we see that today too. Perjury is a huge issue in the court of law. And we take very strong measures and very strong sanctions against this against us because we want to preserve the truth as much as possible. The oaths that the Pharisees were taking were trying to get themselves as close to the line, as close as possible to getting to these rules that we heard about in Leviticus and Numbers. Get them as close as possible, but not actually have to face the repercussions if they didn't happen. But here's the catch that the Pharisees didn't see or they didn't want to see. That all swearing is actually done in the name of the Lord. And all swearing calls upon God as our witness that it's going to happen. And that all of these distinctions that the Pharisees were trying to make by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem, they were all false distinctions anyways. And I think a big reason that why we try and take these oaths in the first place, because we swear, because we don't actually know if we're getting the truth out of anyone in the first place. Maybe I'm, I'm not even talking about like misinformation that you might be able to find on the internet. The, one of the first things that in our culture, it seems like the first thing that gets cast aside in a, con, in a conversation is the truth because it can be so subjective and relative to other people. We don't necessarily want to have the same truth going through it. And you can think about all the different oaths or all the different signatures you've had to sign in your life on different documents for forms or how many law firms that you see advertising on TV or how many different notaries or official documents we have to see and have to sign to be able to rope people into doing what they said they were going to do because they said they were going to do it. But we need to make sure, doubly sure, that we need and they'll have to sign a signature on that form to do it. But it doesn't matter how many documents we sign or how many verbal agreements or handshake deals or contracts that we sign with other people, you and I know full well that that truth and that contract negotiation doesn't always go like we said we were going to do it. The truth doesn't hold up and what we said we were going to do doesn't come through either. We take oaths and we swear because it comes from an assumption that people lie and that people lie frequently. And that if a, if a couple comes up before the altar on their wedding day and they take their vows, maybe they've created some of their own and they take their vows, maybe they don't take it as seriously as they should. But God sure does. But God, they're up at the altar and he, take, and he sees those vows being made between those people. He sure takes them seriously. You've probably felt it, but Jesus has been bringing 
the law hard on us in this Sermon on the Mount. He's been bringing whole spring, drenching law on us, exposing us for all of the small and tiny little trivial sins that we don't think are a whole big of a deal. But these sins that really can be deceptive, disruptive, divisive in our relationship. The sins that break trust with our friends, with our families, with our co-workers, with anyone else that we meet in this life. And then in verse 37 of our text today too, Jesus drenches us one more time with this whole spring law. And he says that anything other than a yes or a no is from the evil one. The devil. The father of lies. The opposite of truth. Sin. It kind of makes you think, doesn't it? Do we have to swear? Do we have to take these oaths? Or do we have to say, I swear to God, because our words and actions aren't completely truthful? Do we have to swear? Do we have to say that we'll take an oath because the actions that we've done in the past or the words or the things that we've done in the past don't actually prove that we're actually going to say what we say we're going to do? Christ is very concerned in this section about our relationship with other people. That is not independence of our relationship with God, too. And our dealings with one another need to be dealt with, first of all, with truthfulness. That our yes means yes. That our no means no. And this is really the true depth of righteousness that Christ is trying to get to. He's trying to say that the truth is so important, that our yes has to mean yes, our no needs to be no, and that on this whole Sermon on the Mount, we've been looking at, we've been looking at these big themes where we think that we're doing all right, that we think that we're okay with our own piety, that we think that we're all right with our own righteousness. But on the Sermon on the Mount, we've been seeing that, no, we don't, fall, we don't fit up to these standards. And this is the true depth of righteousness that Jesus is getting to us right here in this section too. That according to my own righteousness, my own piety, my own words, the truth that I say that I am going to say, I really am this fickle. And that there needs to be a change. This is about my heart. This is about my character. This is about my words that I say to other people. So what do we do? Or when do we do this? When do we take these oaths? If you're to pass through this quick or read it at a first glance, it might seem like Jesus is saying that we should never, ever take an oath ever again. And if you page over to James chapter 5, you might think he agrees with this too. He says similar words. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise you will be condemned. Seems pretty straightforward. But then what do we do with what we read from Paul in Corinthians? Where he said, he swears, and if I'm not mistaken, says, I call to God as my witness and I stake my life on it to say that he was telling the truth. What do we do within Matthew 26? Maybe you remember this when Christ was called before the high priest and the Sanhedrin, and he was put under oath by those people. What do we do with those situations then? God commanded his people in the Old Testament to swear by his name. 
God even swore by himself. We can see that in the Bible too. What Jesus is doing is he isn't nullifying every oath that's ever been taken or nullifying any oath that you have to take. But what he wants for us is that we are so truthful and our character and our actions speak so truthfully about who we are that our yes means yes and that our no means no. Then when we say yes, something's going to get done, it's going to get done. And if we can't do it, we say no. And that's not because we don't want to. It's just we can't do it. Our no has to be no. And out of love for our neighbor, if, if the government wants us to take, sign a contract or if the government wants us to take an oath to testify and for the reassurance for someone else that, yes, we are telling the truth, yes, we are saying that this is the true thing that happened, then we'll do it. Because it's, we were going to do that anyway. Tell the truth to others. And if someone else sure, then we'll help them out with that. And as we take our vows, and as long as they're true, like the ones that we see in Bible instruction courses and our confirmation vows, or the ones that we take on, the, on our wedding day, we can do those eagerly, and we can do those cheerfully as well, because it's the truth. And we want to live the truth, and we want to live our lives according to the truth. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, if you have the word of God, then may God give you grace right away to swear, to rebuke, to be angry, to do all that you can. Or put another way in a commentary that I read preparing for this section of scripture, the challenge is to stand, as far as one word is concerned, nakedly on one's own integrity. The responsibility is my own. We're called to honesty. We're called to be truthful. We're called to be straightforward with our brothers here and sisters here in the church, but also with other people and unbelievers in the world. We're called to stand on the truth and say it and mean it too. When we see that something is going contrary to the truth, we have to say, hey, this is not the way. This is not the way that we were called to be. And if someone else says that to us too, we can say, hey, thank you for keeping me on the way. Thank you for telling the truth to me. That's something that I really needed as Christians, we don't cross our fingers. We mean what we say. We follow along with the truth. And as God swore by himself, that was the ultimate standard of truth. And that was the ultimate way that you could know that something was going to happen. Because God is only truth. God is only love. God is honest with us too. And when God swears by himself, that means he's going to do it. And he kept that promise to us when he promised right at the, after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden too, promised that he was going to send a Savior. And he fulfilled that promise. And that promise that he had with that too is that because of that death on the cross, all of the sins, all of your sins are forgiven when you believe in Jesus Christ. And that promise extends that because of that death, you have eternal life and you have salvation in heaven with him in heaven where the living God is where only truth and happiness abound. I want to end with this final vision. If you can imagine it with me in this final vision, what it would be like if we actually could live about the truths that we learned about in this sermon. Can you imagine what it would possibly be like to live in a country or a city 
or in a church where we tell the truth to one another, where we don't have to at, we don't have to double check with someone else that, that hey, something's actually going to get done. We can just assume automatically that because they said they're going to do it, it's going to happen. Can you imagine how much your life would change if you could walk to, up to your coworker and do that as well? Know that this person said they're going to do it, so I can trust that they're going to do it. Can you imagine a court system where we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to have a testifying of before witnesses, we wouldn't have to put people on the, under oath because we would know that they have already said the truth and they're going to tell us the truth because that's who they say that they are. That's what Christ is visioning for us too, that we be truthful to one another. We say the truth and we live that truth as well. And that's the truth about the truth. Amen.